all, this is Market Explainer. My name is Danny. I am joined always by the junior co-host, this guy, Mm -hmm, my good friend, mm -hmm. the big man. We are America's number one business news podcast. Yes, sir. We are uh, far more important than the people (laughs) over at Group Chat Podcast. I just always like to say that because people don't know. Sure, Um, sure, 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 sure. Of course. So, uh, as always, what we do here on this show is we break down four mm-hmm. stories and we curate these stories. I usually do it. This is the first time in however many weeks, 40 plus weeks, nearly a year of doing the show mm-hmm. where I reached out to the big man with, you know, like in a, in a slight wave of sadness. And I said, I, I got nothing. Uh, well, you know, look, regardless of what Danny says, he needs help constantly, and I just, I'm here for him when he needs that help, and, you know, I try to do the right thing, unlike Danny that's constantly saying he does everything, he does nothing, so I threw him a bone this week of, you know, let me help you even more than I normally do, Right, and, And you know. He proceeded to text me 53 garbage stories that I couldn't do anything with. <laughs> let, me, let me help through. you with the one job you actually do. Yeah. And, no, I, you had know. A, I, I had to sift through all of those terrible stories. And I had to mine for gold, and that's what we did. What can I say? I find a lot of things interesting. I'm a very eclectic uh-huh. knowledge person versus yeah. Dan. Right. Eclectic is a word. <laughs> Not the one I would use. <laughs> What are we doing today, Danny? What are we doing? Well, we're going to talk about a few stories, but before we do that, I want to tell everybody about our Patreon. You can go to mm-hmm. patreon.com slash market explainer, and you can join one of our tiers, and we're going to be throwing up uh, some new shows, some different content, a lot of it in the vein of what we do here at Market Explainer, some of it in the vein of how we started making content together, which is movie reviews. We're going to do one or two of those. Um, Sweet. So, yeah, it's 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 just a place for us, you know, doing it on Patreon versus doing it on our traditional channels gives us a little more flexibility, a little more opportunity because the minute we start posting things with copywritten content where you know everyone's sure, gonna start having yeah, a yeah. conniption, we can say certain words, we can't say dosakis on ours. <laughs> so um, you know, we've done a couple of those episodes here and there as a test. We like them. And now we have a place for those to live that's over on patreon.com slash market explainer. You can also get there from marketexplainer.com, which includes all of our episodes, our Patreon, links to everything that you need at marketexplainer.com. That's right. And we also have um, links to all of our sponsors, many of which uh, I own. (laughs) How many does the big man own, you ask? One. So... uh, (laughs) So listen, Go ahead, Danny. Go we ahead. occasionally like I like to talk, you know, talk about the stock market. I had been out of the market mm-hmm. as an investor for some time just this morning, jump back in. Um, so there's going to be a huge rush of IPOs coming this fall. And I just want to point out before everybody goes public that uh, this has never failed before. Right. Okay. All right. Don't start with your crap. Don't start with your negative, Nancy. I'm not the being whole world's going to explode. No, I, that's not what Everything's I'm saying. Everything's going to uh, crash. Everything. Okay. One one of the expected IPOs. I don't know if it's covered in this article. I can't remember. But one of them is our good friends over at Rivian. I know they're trying to go public this fall or in the spring. 
Um, and I say good friends. We hang out all the time. I'm on uh, their board. No. Um, no. Well, I identify as okay. being on their board. Let's back up for a second. Let's okay. tell everybody what the actual story is. The story is already in this year, it's been yes. one of the busiest years for, for both IPOs and SPACs, okay, in history. If that trajectory continues for the rest of the year, which they believe it will, right. it will become the highest IPO SPAC mm -hmm. year in history. What Danny was alluding to in that this has never happened before and it can't fail is the last time that we got even close to these numbers, the second highest or currently the highest yeah. was the dot com 2000 to in 2000 the dot com yeah. what we now call the dot com bubble right yeah. the dot com burst um so that's what he's referring to so that that's really the story we're talking about here but i don't look this is different than it was in 2000 and 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 let me let me explain to you why before we get into some of these like he brings up Rivian and stuff like that. Right. Most of the companies, not all, but most of the companies back in 2000, the dot com eras, these were companies that did nothing for no one. At the best, they were software companies that were supposed to build a product for someone else that was right. eventually going to solve a problem. Right. That And everybody was so making so much money as investors that the common person jumped into the market thinking i can throw money at anything and it's going to make me rich it's going to make me a return so they ended up investing in things that led to nothing so the only people that made money were the people that owned those companies that initially offered those right and yeah. then they maintained being rich while the investors got nothing when the bubble burst. Um, yeah, so to quote Dave Portnoy, Oprez, stocks only go up, baby. Um, that's not true. They come <laughs> that's down not sometimes. True. Um, I think we've seen unprecedented market liquidity from the Federal Reserve, which sometimes contributes to that feeling of everything going up in price. It's also called mm -hmm. inflation. Well, some the, people, but some here's what's different now. These companies that have gone IPO this year, these companies that have gone SPACs this year, in by and large, not all. We've talked about right. several of them on this on this podcast that Correct. you know, but by and large are companies that offer a product. These companies have been around for a couple of years, right. or they've done something specific that they they a lot of them make money. But and here's what's a little different in this year, and this is part of this story. This year, even though we've had so many IPOs and they're making money, what I consider a flag in the, I guess it would be a green flag, not a red flag to me, right. is most of your IPOs this year have actually underperformed, meaning that they have closed the first day or within that first week at less than they initially went IPO. Right, which you would think that that would be a signal to people trying to go public via SPAC or IPO. It would be a signal to them to have some pause. But the reason that I, I think a lot of these, if, like, you know, in the article, let's just talk about a couple of these names here, right? Mm -hmm. Warby Parker, right. Uh, Fresh Market, I'm unfamiliar with them. Authentic Brands, I know they are. Not like Eddie Bauer, that kind of thing. Yeah. All Birds. Right. 
These are just a few of the companies. Instacart. Uh, sweet. You know green. who Instacart is. Of Everybody course. knows Chiboni for or Chibani, Chibani, whatever yeah. it is for Greek yogurt. Fantastic You've yogurt. seen it in your your community. Impossible Foods. Right, so, which everybody knows from the Impossible Burger, right? Yes. That, that, so, what is it? Uh, uh, Burger, Burger King, King the right? The Impossible Whopper. Burger and stuff like that. Yeah. So these, most of these are actually pretty big names. That's what I'm talking about. Right. These are and actual so, companies. Right, and so if you look at them, though, most of these, if not all of them, have another common thread, and that is Silicon Valley Venture Capital, Right. Sure. So a lot of these companies are, they have huge investment from, I don't know where the, but I can just throw out some names and probably be correct. Andreessen Horowitz, Sequoia. Um, <laughs> I don't think that, uh, you know, uh, Masayoshi Son is anywhere on here. Um, but I'm just saying that if you look, it's billionaires playing with money from exits that, that from companies from the 90s, from the last boom, okay? This is, so the, the, the connection I'm trying to draw here is a lot of these mm -hmm. venture capital funds made their bonds going public in 2000 with companies well, that they But that's out. how they get their money back, right? That's I get venture get capital back. of these companies, they go IPO, <laughs> I get all of my money back, right? Plus and them, give it to them. the next, and give it, it to the next person friends. and whatever. But you look, you've got companies like Stripe, like online pro payment processing, yes, right? Which I use. I mean, I, again, that's my point. Is you've got yeah. you've got companies that are actual companies going on the market versus two thousand, right? Now yeah. you're talking about like if you really look at these numbers. I mean, how many days are in a year? Three sixty-five, right? Something like that. Three hundred sixty-five days in a year. If we keep on track, just the ones that we know about, you're right. talking about three hundred and seventy-five IPOs alone this year coming in the fall or this year totally no, no no that would if if everything that yeah. we already people that have already filed for yeah. an ipo right, right whatever the estimation is is 375 total in 2021 that's more than one a, a day of the calendar year when yeah. you break that down into actual stock market trading days it right. comes out to like two a day which is insane right which is that, that many companies would be and Right, yeah. and I think what we were both alluding to, but not saying, and this isn't a political statement, but this is a method for for the initial investors to liquidate their positions, to make good on their investments, uh, sometimes to the chagrin of the uh, of the of Main Street, right? Sometimes right. to the de to the detriment of Main Street. Now that being said, I know a handful of day traders who are all retired guys, actually. Mm -hmm. who are doing great, right? The market, this market has been treating them very well. And they're looking at some of these IPOs saying, hey, I'm going to pick up a couple of points here when Warby Parker goes public, right? Right. So, well, which, you've seen this trend. We said earlier that a lot of initially, your lot of IPOs were trading downward day one. Again, right. by my, I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm the resident stock guy. I, you know what I mean? I, right. Between Danny and I, and, and they, we talk about this, or I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. That these valuations, and Danny and I have talked about these valuations are insane, right? And people are picking <clears throat> up these initial stock offerings, and then they, your investors, your knowledge investors, start flooding in at rates that 
are more reasonable to what the company is supposed to, and it drags that price down, right? Right. Because they can't sell it for the inflated price after the initial, and it drags that first day, that first week, that first month down to a right. more realistic right uh, valuation, and your initial investors see that. Now, long-term is different, right? But your initial investors see that, and what it's done, just like the housing market, when you have things for selling less than what you want to sell it for, it right. drags down the whole market. So what you've seen here recently is IPOs have more realistic valuations, which means their first day, their first week, their first month looks better because they... More, we're more realistic with that initial day offering, right? right? And if and if that trend continues, then you'll make those day traders will make that point quicker, right? Where I know a lot of day traders that are staying away from initial IPOs, they're right. in two or three or four days because of that drawback, yes. and they know give it a month give it or whatever, it's going to go back up to that. You know, they're going to gain that right. point. They're going to gain that whatever. But they want that initial pullback because that's been the trend this year. Yeah, and, you know, to, to just, just to get back to the one thing I was saying, <clears throat> Rivian expects to go public uh, probably in 2022, not this year. And they're going at an eight, they're trying to go at an $80 billion value. And that's what happens when you take billions of dollars Sure. From, uh, you know, Amazon and Ford and other companies. I just want to harp on this for one second. I just want to complain. Can I just complain? Absolutely. Go ahead. You haven't built anything. I can't go anywhere and buy a Rivian <laughs> truck. Okay. What? <clears throat> well, didn't Jeff Bezos drive one to his penis rocket that he shot into <laughs> the, didn't he drive one out to that and his Texas hat and. That is a, that is not a Texas hat, my friend. That is a that is a different kind of hat. Whatever that, I'm that, saying. That, that was a hat for a guy who drives an electric pickup truck. That's what that hat was. I exactly just so a lot of these like 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 the big man said a lot of these valuations have become a little more realistic, but we're still living in a world where some of these companies haven't crossed profitability yet, mm -hmm. and they're and they're going to the IPO route because they're. I'm, I'm, I'm saying on their behalf, they're thinking profitability may never come. It could be five years away from now. But uh, the investors of these companies, again, I'm a free market guy, okay, to, to the... Right. <clears throat> but what we're seeing is companies realizing that, that the frenzy to invest on the stock market, the FOMO, the fear of missing out is so strong on the, on the consumer investor side. Mm-hmm. And I, as a free market guy, do not blame these companies for going public when there is a frenzy to invest on the market simply because I don't blame them for trying to make money because that's their job. Right. But there's <clears throat> but a difference between, like Rivian, I yeah. believe in my humble opinion, yeah. that they are, want to go public, especially at a, a, a valuation that size. 80 billion, yeah. Because they, want, they need that money to eventually become a profitable company. They need that influx because you sure. can only convince a certain number of venture capitalists to give you money before right. they start thinking. You can only go so many rounds before people stop giving you money, before they stop believing you, yada, yada. 
and then what's your next offering? Your average Joe, right? Investor and this kind of stuff. Right. So I so there's a difference between that and like a Stripe, for example, that right. has a framework of a company. That, They're that profitable. They yeah. make money. It's a framework that's worked for all of our credit card processors in the world. Yeah. There's a and this is the part of investing that people don't take the time to learn, right? right? You got 375 IPOs in 2021, and there's going to be a percentage of them that are 100% garbage that nobody ever should invest in. Right. And there's going to be some of them that make a lot of money, And but in that everybody's trying to hit that home run. See, this is right. this is the part that scares me. And this is, Danny doesn't care about this part where I think about it is because Danny believes in that free market. And if you're dumb enough, Danny believes that if you're dumb enough to invest in a dumb investment and you end up getting $0 and losing all your money, then that's on you. Too bad, so sad. Nobody gives right. a crap. Where it's, I'm not a, nobody, it's not that nobody gives a crap. It's that you learned a lesson and that's all you're going to get for your money. And I don't know that you learned a lesson. <laughs> That's that might be true, but the point is, some people will spend three thousand dollars going to a university to take one class and not mm -hmm. learn anything. And if you take your three thousand dollars of capital and invest it and lose it, maybe you learn that you should be investing your money in things you understand and not in things you don't understand. And if you lose three thousand dollars, suck it. Investing, like a lot of other things, for some reason, we go out and we learn from people we know instead right. of professionals, right? Right. right? And I don't know why investing falls into that category like a lot of other things, but but we go to that Bob that's been yeah. that tells you all the time that he's making money day trading when Bob lives in a trailer or whatever. Right. But then you think Bob's going to give you the advice to become a millionaire right bob bob lives in a in a manufactured home and he right. would prefer that you mm -hmm. don't call it a trailer it's well a, it's okay a tiny i'm house. sorry i apologize it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a tiny house but like for example i'll give you a great example and danny's gonna hate this example one of these companies that wants to go ipo before the end of the year um is a company called stronghold digital mining which is a crypto company that mines crypto crypto cryptocurrencies right. so it's not you're not investing in cryptocurrency you're no, investing you're in a company that, that mines, mines crypto company hoping to be profitable one day with your investment to help them buy the mining equipment space blah 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 this is a company that that this is what i i say about people that don't understand something right is right. half the people that buy stock in this company, if it does go IPO, will think that they're investing in cryptocurrency when they're right. not at all. They right. are buying a company that is investing in cryptocurrency that that company will then in turn 100% benefit if that cryptocurrency right goes up or goes whatever, up. right? And this but kind you're of stuff. Investing, you're investing in crypto the slowest way possible if you're buying Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, and but it, it will... It will bill itself as a an alternative way to invest in cryptocurrency, and and yeah. and and they'll have a marketing video that says you're investing in the the newest super thing. slick. Oh yeah, and and it'll and it'll be great, right? As far as they're concerned, and it and it'll that's the part where I get nervous about, right? You know, um, people making videos and they're paid to make these videos. 
to sell something like that and then the average person buys it thinking they're going to hit the next home run the next game stop the next whatever and then they get into it and they lose their just lose their shorts when institutional investors are investing in other things and that's one of the first things i wish again i'm going to say this and convey this out there it's just my opinion if you're investing in a stock especially long term i want to invest in something long term one right. of the first things that you should look to find is if institutional investors, these are people that control other people's money, right? Right. Large funds and stuff like that are institutional investors purchasing that stock. Right. Because if you're investing someone else's money, you're way more leery about it than of if course. you're just investing yours and risking yours. If institutional right. investors are staying away from it completely... I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, if you know, it's because even in the GameStop situation, Michael Barry or Burry rather was signed capital management, which yes, was a huge was was an investor, and he's like, well, actually, if you look at their store locate, if you he's he because when we initially talked about GameStop, <clears throat> we the I hadn't done enough investigation to know that he was and so when i later learned that and he was talking about that that michael barry had invested with his money he was talking about why well that kind of made sense like there was the fundamentals of the business actually worked and each store location was very profitable they had a back-end wholesale business a lot of it made sense so Dude, institutional investors will pay millions it. of dollars For to data. pay eggheads to yes. figure out what's going on, right? right. To, to, to take advantage of every loophole of knowledge, of data, yes. of crunching, of everything. And that's everything why that's, I say they understand they're not right all the time. No, they're not. Of course not. Nobody is. However, they're going to be more right more often because Correct. of the access to information and that kind of stuff. And, and listen, I think there's a lot of investors out there that are, you know, they're watching the big short or whatever. You know, they saw that movie and they went, <laughs> yeah. geez, I need to, I, I want to be the guy. But we forget that the smallest player in that movie, which is based on through history, the smallest player in that movie, which was, he was laughed out of the lobby of several firms, mm -hmm. were, was playing with 20 something million dollars, right? Mm -hmm. They were an investor of $20 million and was laughed out of the lobby of huge in institutional investors. I was talking to someone and he's like, well, I wanted to get into day trading, but these companies, man, they won't let you make any money. I was like, dude, they're, if you're, if you're playing with less than $250 million, they don't know that you exist. Okay. <laughs> they don't, they don't, you're not even on their radar when you're dealing with people moving billions of dollars in assets around uh, the table. They're not paying attention to someone like, well, you know, and he, to that, let, let me let me let me kind of draw this back in and we'll finish yeah. up the story when i take ipos which is what we're talking about we talked about yes. SPACs a little bit okay which is over another 400 s packs this year so Gnarly. 375 ipos over 400 s packs right by the end of the year is what they're expecting 700 and something between the two that, public yeah. that, their estimation for 2021 right for companies that did not, as far as being publicly traded, did not, were not publicly traded as of last year. We right. have, we will see between the two, yeah. 
a quarter of a trillion dollars come from the consumer fund. $250 billion will have been right. raised in 2021 from the yeah. masses. And that's that's more money than Bezos and uh, Gates and Musk have combined, I think, just about. I mean, there's it's getting close to that number. A quarter of a trillion dollars. Like, yeah. that's the amount of money that is out there for the taking just in right. 2021. Right. And by the way, these are all people that think that they're going to make more money than that from that. Of course. Of course. That's why they're doing it. Right. So, in, in, in closing, I just want to say this. I am going to be taking my Delhi public. It has four employees. <laughs> I'm referring to a story <laughs> earlier this year of a yes. Delhi that it was public. And people were trying to ascertain why this thing was worth what it was. I think it was worth $10 million on paper. I think they had less than It was all about more. land, right? It was somewhere in New York or New Jersey uh, or New something Jersey, like New that, Jersey. where it was this old, right, land that was in the middle of what should be something else. It shouldn't be a deli. Uh, it should be a high-rise. It should be a whatever. whatever. And their idea was, hey, let's let's leverage that to go IPO, right, or SPAC yeah. and keep our deli, right, in this and not sell it and yada, right. yada, which I give them... All the props in the world for creativity. Right. It didn't work out. They still had to they still closed. But it I mean that that's pretty creative, right? right. I mean and that wouldn't have been available to them ten years ago, twenty years right. ago. Yeah, it's it's called the hometown internet hometown deli in New Jersey. And uh, I was incorrect. The uh, hometown international has a had a hundred million dollar uh, market cap at one point. Um <laughs> For a for a, a deli in New Jersey, which if you, even if what you're saying is is true, which I, let's presume it is, there's a hundred million dollar high rise in New Jersey, bro. There isn't. Okay. Well, I, I'm just talking for about some yeah, whatever whatever they're yep. wanting to do with it, right? You know what I'm saying? But that, there's no land in New Jersey that's worth a hundred million. I promise you, it's Jersey, okay. man. Uh, don't they have a bunch of hipsters up there living there now? No, that's they that all went to Brooklyn by now. <laughs> no, uh, no, that's gonna be an uh, no. That's gonna be an ad uh, now. Yeah, that's okay. All right. Well, hey, well all I'm saying is there's a lot of money out there, so uh, folks, yeah, get yours. Dollars for this deli. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, before we jump into this next story, I want to tell you about Acre Gold. I want you to meet the new store of value, same as the old store of value. Acre Gold gives you the opportunity to invest in physical gold in two and a half gram increments by buying a subscription, letting the money accrue. And then when you have enough money in that account, they send you a physical piece of gold. You can click the link down in our description and get your, get, get going on your gold investment today. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So this next story, oops, it's an oops going to go, Hey guys, uh, so there's a new piece of AI and it's called Codex. Yeah. And it can do its own programming. So here's why this is a bad idea. Have you ever <laughs> seen a sci-fi movie? See, this is where Danny kind of goes off the rails. When you, hat. Yes. you know, and and you know, I, I've said this before, you know, Danny 
typically curates these stories, but he always, right. whether he curates them or not, he puts them on our list, right, to talk about for the day, and he, and he names them, right? He gives yeah. it like a headline article. On this yeah. one, he says, still sure nothing could go wrong at the name at the top of the story because the headline of the story was essentially we've developed an AI that can program other AIs, right? It can yeah. program itself, which on the surface does sound super scary, right? Like right out of the matrix. Wait a minute. We've developed a computer that can build other computers, right? Yeah. So the reason, <laughs> uh, so let me just off the rip, say this much. I have not an issue, but it, I think we're, we're, we're approaching a, a scenario like idiocracy <clears throat> where we're building things that are so smart that, that it will um, mitigate any sort of future intellectual investment into those fields. So we're building computer systems and AI, we, but um, that are so smart that they can build their own AI. Here's the problem with that. Eventually, there's not going to be a need for a person who can write AI code, right? And when that happens, the AI, I'm just saying we need to continue to invest in those industries because eventually we need because somebody needs to be able to tell this thing what to not do. So so you're you're okay, because I love the movie Idiocracy. I get I've why it was made. It. You should. It's a great it. movie. It's yeah. a great movie. Um and it was made so long ago, even before the internet is what it yeah. is today and cell phones are what they are today. So it was kind of, it, it, it comes back up from time to time because you re if you haven't seen the movie, go watch the movie. It's great. It's a great representation of what Danny's talking about in that, yeah. for example, we live in the most connected age ever. We have yeah. access as human beings across the globe to more information than we have in the history of existence. Yeah. And the generation that is currently in high school and graduating college are the least educated we've ever had. Right. Since we've started educating them. And so so that and some people question, some people their their answer is they have access to Google. Why do right. they need to learn it? They have right. access to a website that knows how to do it. So Why do they need to learn it? When, when when you and I were in school, our math teachers probably said these words verbatim. You're not always gonna have your calculator with you. Well, guess what? <laughs> Mrs. McGrath, I got a calculator. Yeah, I was not allowed calculators, right? Like calculators yeah. were not allowed on tests. Calculators were not yes. allowed on, but but it and that is that is a question, right? Can can right. you be knowing humans, human beings, right. and that we are that in nature we are lazy, good for nothing, whatever's. If you build a program that does something for you. Right. Will you then take the time? Will people, some people, still take right. the time to learn that? Now, in this case, Codex, look, they built Codex, the company that built Codex, yeah. built it to do exactly what Danny says. They yeah. they built it to, to program other AIs. other AIs, to program, period. And what they figured out through the development of it, much like a lot of companies out there that try to do this at least so far with today's technology right they built a tool a really useful tool right 
they built a really useful tool that will allow other programmers, actual programmers out there, right. to do things faster, quicker, right. whatever. Because if you're if you have a programming buddy, if you're not a programmer and you're watching the show or you've got a programming buddy, you've right. heard a programmer, much like a mechanic in the old days, complain right. about working on someone else's car. Programmers yeah. are much the same way. And that there's not one way to do it you can if i come up to you and say hey i want to build a new slot machine right 15 programmers may have 15 different ways of accomplishing right. that slot machine and they all work right as far as what then, you see they all work right. but the back end being very different right and i as someone who you know dabbles in graphic design and web development um i own a marketing company um I can tell you this much when I have to pick up and solve someone else's website or, you know, somebody's like, Hey, I want an update, but I don't, the last guy who built it went back to graduate school and as a teacher can't do it anymore. That's a real situation, but, mm -hmm. um, it's always a pain in my neck. I'm like, why did they do it this way? Right. And I'm not, you know, there's a scene from the TV show, Silicon Valley where, um, you know, the, the, the main character, gets into an argument with, a, with his girlfriend because she uses tabs instead of spaces or something like that. Right. This, this, this entirely innocuous argument, it makes, there's nothing there. There's no point. You achieve the same thing, but how you get there is a little different. So this AI, which is a brilliant, OpenAI developed this codec, mm -hmm. the program called Codex. It's, it's brilliant. It's going to change how they develop a lot of different things. Because you could develop a framework. Like in that right. scenario, Codex could help you build a framework where then you, that person, because Codex also it has a voice activation part of it, which in itself right. is scary. Um, you know what I mean? Say, okay, bring up, bring up, you know, in this case, building a slot machine framework. And yeah. then you're able to tweak it so that you build a framework for, this is how speed expediting products works, right. is you build a framework that then you can then customize and design. Now, right. What I found most interesting about this story is if you are ever a programmer or a technical guy or whatever, you know that when you interview for a job, especially if you're a contractor and they're bringing you in to do a job, right. you know that part of the interview process is they will walk in and they're famous for somebody that's interviewing to put something up on a whiteboard, right? Right. Like, I want, I want you to program this. I want you to simple code this. Or I want you to fill in this blank or whatever, right? right? And then you as the interviewer have to go up there and kind of solve the problem or fix the problem or decode, right. whatever it may be. It's all over programming technology. The guy that tried this by the name is Tom Smith. He owns a small uh, uh, startup that's working on whatever. They gave it to Tom Smith to work on. He put it through his standard interview process. Yeah. Of, hey, solve this problem, do this task, whatever. The computer system did them all. Not only did yeah. them all perfectly, but did them all in minutes instead of yeah. hours or whatever, whatever it normally takes an interviewer yeah. or whatever. Ten um, minutes but way, after yeah. playing with it for a while, he came to the same conclusion that obviously it's a good tool. Um, it doesn't always do what you want it. It's one of those, right? Look, this is the same framework, people, guys, that when you're texting and there's an yeah. algorithm, an AI that says, hey, your next word is probably this. Yeah, And text. it's right 75% of the time. This is a very yeah. similar technology in that right. it's going to be right. Actually, the article states that when it was asked to do tasks that it wasn't familiar with, 
right. it was right about 37% of the time. So I'm no Luddite, but I do have predictive text turned off on my phone. I have predictive text turned off Why? on all my emails because it's simple. Um, <clears throat> there's for a lot of reasons, and this is the issue I wanted to raise with the story, which is if we create obsolescence for certain, if we use computer learning, neural networks, uh -huh. and, and AI like Codex, if we use, and this is more of a philosophical question than sure. it is a business one, but it applies to the industry. If we create those systems that ultimately um, make it obsolete to have a physical human programmer, correct? We create a long-term trajectory where there are no programmers. Well, right? But I don't know. I, you realize how much further we have to get before there. Right now, it's still going to be maintained because mm -hmm. a program like this, the way it works... The, on, uh, a, a program like this, the way it works, and this is, right. again, trying not to get too technical for the people right. out there, right. is it learns by what other people have done. And then it aggregates that data and comes out an average, right? right. And that average becomes its rule, right? So if, if I'm asked, again, I'm going back to the slot machine, if I asked it to program a framework of a slot machine... It's right. going to reach out to the World Wide Web, all the data it has, ac has access to. It's right. going to pull in all of that information, and then it's going to spit out what it thinks is the aggregate of that information, right. which could be good, bad, not work, does work, depending on the amount of information that it has access to and right. how that information then gets condensed and spit out, right? So it's not like it's deciding, it's not a programmer, that a programmer, right, a programmer has all of its previous mistakes, it has right. all of his previous, his or her previous knowledge, right, all of that kind of stuff. And I like to bring up slot machines because slot machines are one of those industries that people don't know that, get, hey, guess what? They all have to be programmed nowadays. They don't yeah. run on keys like they used to do machines. No. They're all programmed in nowadays. And guess what? They, none of these people that make these slot machines talk to each other. They both right. hire individual programmers to do these kind of things. And right. what happens is it's also an industry that if you're really good at it, you make a crap ton of money because everybody out there that makes slot machines wants you to come do right. their, their slot machines, right? So Because it, it's a well-kept secret. Like how you're doing it, how you're building yeah. it is whatever. So Kodak, in, in the current world of technology and for the foreseeable future, will have to be managed by someone with that kind of experience, with that kind of knowledge, because it's it's aggregating, it's condensing, it's right. not, it's not, it's the difference between replicating the Mona Lisa and creating the Mona Lisa. Fair enough. No, like this, that's a fair, that's an adequate and, and more than fair um, explanation here. But again, I'm just asking, again, the 15-year the philosophical question, which is, if we automate it, aren't we just... And it's, I don't care about putting people out of work. It's the longer-term question of, are we creating a future we cannot control? That Look, that's, that's, a, that's a... You're right. That is a philosophical question that I think we always have to keep in mind. Right. But I think that's what, where we differ on perspectives. Yeah, I'm just saying. I believe gotta... in the Gene Roddenberry Star Trek future. 
Yeah, where okay, no, where no. technology, even though it becomes artificial intelligence and all that, that we as human beings, it allows us to aspire to higher things that yeah, we continue no. to learn and grow. Danny yeah. thinks that at the point, idiocracy, that at the yeah. point that technology takes over, we all become idiots because we're all lazy morons and we don't, we yeah. only do things we have to do. And, or the Wall-E future, if you're unfamiliar with the Pixar movie, or mm -hmm. the... Um, Oh, geez, I'm trying to think of the Mad Max future. These are all futures I see, right? right. Nonetheless, um, listen, fascinating that it exists to me, right? It's fascinating that this exists. Um, and if there's, it's just one more reason I regret not being more of a nerd in high school than caring about programming. When I, I think it's a step in an in inevitable future. Yeah. Um, we got Elon Musk building flipping robots. And we got this guy writing code that writes code. I'm sure everything's going to be just fine, big man. <laughs> There's nothing to be concerned about. Nothing to all. see here. Move nothing along. Nothing to see here. That's correct. All right. Um, before we jump into our next story, fascinating story, by the way, I want to tell you about big man gear. Big man gear is this guy's T-shirt company. You can go to bigmangear.com. It'll take you to the Amazon Prime store. It's merch by Amazon. It's the big man's idea of funny merch, right? Yeah. Like, you and can't abduct big is one of my best-selling shirts. And you got you an can't. alien dragging a fat man. You can't, like, you you can't, can't abduct it. big. You just can't do and it. Listen, I uh, was on a weight loss plan, but it was my insurance company that said, you're actually a huge target for kidnapping. <laughs> And they said, we'd prefer if you didn't do that. Yeah, you can't. So, it's much more difficult to abduct a bigger man. That's yeah, all. That's correct. Try to put me in the back of a, of a conversion van <laughs> that I also happen to drive and yes. live in. Yes, try to drag uh, you into work. a panel van. It's just not going to work. Right. So you can go to bigmangear.com. Link is always in the description. You go to Market Explainer. You can go see all of our uh, lovely sponsors. Mm -hmm. This next story... Um, and I'm just, listen, everything that's going on in our world today, I just want to say I'm glad that the feds have the opportunity to take a look at the claim that the McDonald's ice cream machines are always busted. Uh, yes, the article is the Federal Trade Commission has launched an, a, a investigation. investigation into the McDonald's ice cream machines and why they're down. <laughs> okay, this is one of those stories where, okay, I agree with Danny. On the surface, it sounds really dumb. Does the FTC not have better things to do? But it's yeah. really not about McDonald's right now, and their ice right cream now, machines. Right now, there is a 93-year-old woman who's getting her life savings scammed away from her by a crypto Ponzi scheme. Right. The Federal Trade Commission is worried about oh, the ice cream. What else are looking at? Oh, the ice cream. All right. Chocolate no. chocolate chip. I got okay. chocolate chocolate chip. Before we get to what the actual part of this story that's relevant is, yeah. what I find great is there's a website set up in most metropolitan areas where right. you can go to this website and find out whether your local McDonald's machine is up and running or not. Right. The name of that online tool is mcbroken.com. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So if you want to know before you leave your house, hey, I'm craving a fro uh, whatever 
uh, McFlurry, yeah. whatever it is. Right. And, but and you you don't want to waste time going to the McDonald's just for it to be broken. You can go yeah. to McBroken.com and find out whether your local McDonald's is open. Yeah, but that's so like, not the real story. I mean, that's so like, the yeah. It's like six months ago. I forget the guy's name is Johnny something. He had like a mini documentary where he just investigated this phenomenon of why is the McDonald's ice cream machine always broken? Right. And the kind of conclusion that he came to, and this is a really a rapid summation, but the, 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 the conclusion that he came to is basically that the, the maker of the ice cream machines that you, mm -hmm. that are used in McDonald's has an agreement with McDonald's corporate, not the franchisees, that forces the franchisees into buying one specific model of ice cream machine, yep. which they in turn are the only ones who are allowed to service. And they create all these different scenarios where if it's one or 2% off, the machine just goes into a service mode and the employees, which, hey, listen, we're talking about people who are making seven, like less than $8 an hour in most situations because they're making mm -hmm. minimum wage. I don't expect these people to be technicians of ice cream machines. I don't accept them. I don't expect them to be technicians of anything. No. Well, you're talking about a machine that obviously has a cleaning cycle, right? That right. they're supposed to run once a day. And yeah. that apparently really is with this particular machine is the problem is right. it goes through a cleaning cycle once every 24 hours. If it gets stuck in that cleaning cycle for any reason whatsoever, it goes into, as you say, service mode, yeah. which then this contracting company uh, by contract they can only call this one company because that's the way it's laid out here's the real problem the real problem is this kind of these kind of contracts and oh yes. by the way it's not just mcdonald's i actually had a, a buddy of mine that owned um batting cages Right. And this company that he initially bought his pitching machines from had a very right. similar setup contract where right. he got them at a huge, when in comparison to other pitching machines, what looked like a discount. Right. And, oh, well, I don't care if I have to sign a contract where they also have to service them or whatever. What he didn't know at that time, that there was one mechanic for those machines in the entire state of Texas. Right. Well, so anybody problem. that's using those machines, pitching machines, in the entire state is sharing one guy. One, one guy. So if right. your pitching machine breaks down, which they do, right, brand right. new or, or whatever, they and do, man. you have to wait until that one guy is in your area, in your right. town, in your whatever, when it's a priority. So it could be months. Right. Right? And that's what these kind of contracts, because, look, it's just a machine. There's all kinds yeah. of people out there that can work on pitching machines, that can work right. on, in this case, ice cream machines and whatever. It's just right. a machine, but it's per contract, right? Right. So they're making their money off of the m broken machines instead right. of the upfront you paying for the machines, right? Correct. And they and they and the, the Johnny Harris is the the guy whose video I'm talking about. If I remember, I'll include that in the description, a link to it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but what uh, what they kind of figured out, or he kind of figured out, was the the company that owns the, the ice cream maker mm -hmm. is publicly traded. And if you go through some of their documents, they talk about how they developed a reoccurring revenue model because absolutely selling the machine one time. Let's say, let's just throw out a number. I don't know what a machine costs. Let's say it's 15 grand, right? 
And let's say, but you sell the machine to the, to, to McDonald's once for $15,000. Mm-hmm. They don't need another one from you for forever five, for five to 10 years. Let's say it's five right. to 10 years. But they for, sell a maintenance plan. And that's no, where they're, they're making sell, their recurring rate and money. They don't sell a maintenance plan. They force you into a situation where they cut a deal with McDonald's where the, the franchisee, so other franchises, Chick-fil-A, Burger King, mm-hmm. they use machines from the same company, but their franchises cut a different deal with the company. So their franchisees don't have this ridiculous situation where, and you know, there's, there's these kind of funny memes that go around of the different billboards or signs that the, you know, the, mm-hmm. you know, small town restaurants, you know, McDonald's in one small town put up a sign that says we sell chicken sandwiches on Sunday and the Chick-fil-A in that town put up right. a sign yeah. that says our ice cream machine works all the time. Which <laughs> I don't want to interrupt the, you know, billboard yeah. gangster market. You know what I mean? Going after right. each other. I don't, I don't want to interrupt that. However, what this has brought up is essentially a slew of lawsuits around right. what they're calling right Correct. to repair. Right? Yes. Right Which to repair it. Which is a much larger conversation in the growing technology. The more and more technology becomes a part of our life, the more and more we're stuck in situations mm-hmm. where Apple doesn't want you tinkering with your computer, right? And there's right. just two reasons. Part of it is they don't they want the experience of owning an Apple machine to be so amazing that they don't want you ever having to think, "I'll crank this thing open and put some new RAM in it." But also, right, revenue for them, right? Tesla's in the same boat. People well, yeah, are having automotive with- industry has been trying to yes. move to this for years, where they develop. They have been making cars more and more difficult to work on for your average everyday mechanic by putting more and more technology into them and things like this nature that your average mechanic doesn't know how to do, can't do, that they're not certified to do. They tried to do it with warranties years ago by saying if you have an outside mechanic work on it, we're not going to warranty it after that. And Correct. then that led to lawsuits, and they backed off on that and that kind of stuff this this right to work or um right to repair i'm sorry right to repair thing is what it boils down to is do you as an individual when you purchase something whether it be a computer a car or an ice cream machine do you have the right now that you own it to turn around and have someone else repair it Right? Do they have? A, do you have that right? Because if you have that right, then these contracts that say that you have to go back to me to repair it are null and void. Right? right. When you get into rights, what are your rights as an and owner of something? Right? It's, it's a complicated concept too, because I know guys who own. I don't know, but I'm saying there's an issue with people who own certain kinds of tractors and farm equipment. Right. Where they're where they're saying, ah, now you, ha- I have to wait for the John Deere guy to come out here to fix my whatever machine but hey mm-hmm. in the meantime i don't control how crops grow my crops well, exactly are ready for, i can't ready get for that was another lawsuit under this same umbrella do you have yeah. a right to work on the tractor that you right. bought and purchased you know and when there's not enough because there's not a problem when there's enough technicians right correct. if you had a technician on every other block or whatever but what right. you were seeing like in the farming industry is they weren't able to get their crops out of the ground right. because they're waiting months for a tractor for their, guy. Yeah. And so it has created a cottage industry 
of two a two pronged cottage industry where there's guys who are like, hey, we'll pull out all of this whatever management on your thing, mm-hmm. and we'll stick an open source system on your tractor so that whenever you need help, you can just go download it over the air, whatever. You don't have to always have uh, a certified John Deere guy or whatever company it is coming out there. And it's created a cottage industry of people finding older farm equipment that's just mm-hmm. right before, like it's right prior to. So it's technologically advanced enough, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not like, you know, you're, it's a it back still works. You got a man, Yeah. Yeah, but look, and, and guess what? It's not the mechanics part fault either. Because guess no. what? Like the like the like the credit card industry, they're beating up both sides. They're beating Correct. that guy up on his rates to get the contract so that he always has a job with them, right? Going around, right? right? They're they're doing that uh, to him or her, right? And charging you. So they're beating right. both sides up, and that, that's where really this story, it's really not about ice cream machines. It's about right this, this about right, much, to, right to repair is what right. it's really and, about. And it's about manufacturers looking to capture long-term revenue from selling a product, right? right. You sold a, a product, and you want long-term revenue, which like they're trying to move into what I would say is product as a service, right? Which is you're seeing car companies doing this now too, where Volvo offers a deal where you just pay a flat rate and, oh, you want this Volvo this month, a different Volvo next month. You don't own a car, you lease from Volvo. And they, you know, and and it sounds good on the the surface of it, but the long-term ramifications could also be that, you know, when you want your car or whatever, well, you know, there's somebody says you're not allowed to have. Well, one of two things is to kind of wrap this up. One of two things are going to ultimately happen. Either the government or the judicial system between all these lawsuits is going to decide that you have a right to repair and it's going to right. make all these contracts null and void or consumerism will work the way it's supposed to, like Danny says in a free market, where yeah. people will find, enough people will say, well, screw you, I'm not going with you as a company then, right. that those companies will become obsolete. One of those two are going to happen. Ultimately, everything should be able to wor- be worked on by people that own them, right, yes. wrong, or otherwise. It's it's just the way it's going to work out. So there's a YouTube channel called Rich Rebuilds, and he's a Tesla tuner mechanic guy. And one of the issues he always has is Tesla doesn't want to sell him parts to fix their cars. Right. They want him to go to Tesla and have them fix it. And guess what? I've come out of the fast and furious era of automotive customization. And the one thing that pisses me off about the electric future that I'm seeing is, hey, I want to customize my car, dude. Right. I want to, you know, I want to lower it. I want to lift it. I want to do what, I, whatever it is I want to do with it. Once it's mine, and that used mm-hmm. to be um, the American spirit of owning anything was that you, Harley Davidson's a great example. Like, Absolutely. you go to Harley, and they have, going to Harley is like buying a, a Camaro in the 60s. Right. right. You can, like, you bought a Camaro in the 60s, you can put whatever thing you want on it. You can add to, you can take away, you can, and the, the aftermarket availability of things that you can do that fit the Harley design and whatever and, and are almost infinite, right? right? And Absolutely. they want you to do it. 
They want I think you this to customize is, their thing. I think this is like everything else. There's an ebb and flow to everything that happens. Right. We've gone too far with the no, it's too custom to work on, it's right. too whatever. And now that pendulum will swing the other way now, where it'll right. become way more automatic. I think you're going to see it in the electric car market. I think you are going to see aftermarket kind of modifications or whatever. And right. I think as electric cars become more and more popular, again, I think that's what causes it, is people are going, well, I'm not buying that Tesla if I right. can't also do this. That's not going to avoid my warranty. That's not going to, you know what I mean? Right. Because right now, that's what Tesla's about, right? Like, there are companies out there making, I've seen stuff like pop-up campers that will attach to these new uh, Tesla SUVs and stuff like that. Right. And they basically, uh, no, you add anything to this Tesla that's not by Tesla, it voids your warranty and we're not going to work on it, right? Or right. we're not going to do anything to it. And but they can right now, right? That's always business. Is what can you get away with, right? Until you can't, and I think popularity is what controls that. And I think that's what this is going to fall under. Yeah, and I listen. I think that you know, to that end, um, when it comes to the, the kind of electric car thing, Ford is going to be selling a crate engine that's electric, right? And I think that's what's going to, at least in that one vein, in that one vertical for electric cars, I think that's going to, what's going to change it is the traditional car companies going more electric, realizing, because they already have a system of like, all right, we have certified parts. And then, you know, if you go to an ASE certified mechanic, we have to honor the warranty because you use the correct parts, you want a certified mechanic, blah, blah, blah. Right. Nonetheless, this story is, again, it's not just about the ice cream machines at McDonald's, but now you know you can go to mcbroken.com. Been, <laughs> we've been informed, right? And well, and what the story's really about, right? Which, which is the is right, right to, to repair. repair. Correct. Totally. Hey, before we move on to our next story, our last one, I want to tell you about something very important. That is workathomestuff.com. As we all know, the events of 2020 have permanently changed the working landscape. And many of you mm -hmm. are just coming to the realization or conclusion, like a lot of people in my family and a lot of my friends, that they're never going back to their office. Nope. And for that reason, you're understanding you're going to have to build a little office in your house. And for that, we have workathomestuff.com. It's all mm -hmm. the stuff you need to work at home. All right, this last story, another oops. Oops. Why'd you do that? Why is this an um, oops? I actually like this one. So, uh, my good friend Mark Zuckerberg um, <laughs> over at uh, thefacelook.org. Yes, uh, yes, the Facebooks. Yeah, okay. So, um, they are uh, partnering with Ray-Ban. They are going to be um, debuting um, smart sunglasses. And I just want to say, this has been a huge business for Google and Snapchat. Both of these business, those, those competitors, made billions of dollars selling smartglasses. No, no, they didn't. Oh, they no, didn't? No. Well, they made money, huge, but they, no, they were they all flops. Money. They all lost money. That's what I'm money. saying. No, they made money they in that they sold some. Yeah, sure. But they were, they were flops. Big right? old flops. But Big there are flops. differences. There's difference. I think, A, Google came out with Google Glasses too soon. It, it just the technology was not there yet right okay so so and and they tried to make it a thing on its own 
where Facebook is doing something different in that if you really read this article, yeah, it's it's really not as smart glasses like you think of Google. It's no, really upgraded yeah. sunglasses. It's yes. sunglasses that also are a Bluetooth headset. It's sunglasses that also have a camera in them. It's sunglasses yes. that have a storage device that links up to your phone, right? That Bluetooth right. links up to your phone. These are all things that you are currently wearing. Right, AirPods, yeah. right, yeah. all of this stuff, and they're just putting them in a, in Ray Bans. That's so, that's it. Yeah, and so listen, out of all of the two, the you know, this is the third smart glasses project or smart is in quotes project we've seen from a huge company. This is the most reasonable one. The Snapchat specs, mm -hmm. or I think they were called Snap Specs or something like that. Awful garbage. Awful garbage. Sure. Um, the Google Glass, which again didn't actually have a glass and had like it, it I didn't like understand was, the Google Glasses thing. Google I get Glass, what they, they thought eventually, but yeah. we're not we weren't there yet. Right. So Google Glass was um it was a nineties era uh sci-fi movie right. concoction. It wasn't from its own era. So uh, there's that. So, um, so I actually saw a video, which I'll, if I can find it again, I'll link it again, but it was it's a little, it, it's semi creepy because they they have two cameras. I think there's two cameras in the, in the glasses. Mm -hmm. These look like regular Ray-Bans. Right. I think they're, this, they're hidden. Now yeah. I do think one from a safety feature, they are integrating a light on the side of the glasses that will tell people light, when it's recording. Yeah, but if you see that light, it doesn't mean it's it's not. I, much. I'm just saying that that they've taken into account not. I, I don't want to say security, but just this. Okay, we 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 understand that this is something that could be taken advantage of right off the bat. Yes. So we're right. going to do at least this one little thing to make sure that there's a way to protect. Probably it's about protecting themselves in lawsuits, of course. right? Because you automatically say, okay, here's a pair of sunglasses that look like sunglasses, and you can record all day on them, right? Yeah. Everybody's mind is going to go where it's going to go, and they don't want it taken advantage of. So there's going to be a, hey, this is recording, just like on your yeah. phone or whatever else. Right. What? Um, but uh, it, look, that's, that's all this is. I mean, they're, they're, the cameras are not great. Because they are meant to be tiny and and not really, well, they're, you they're, know. Listen, they're five megapixels. Which, if you have your phone and you turn your, if you turn on the selfie camera, probably five megapixels. I mean, yeah, it's, it's good enough for what they're considering a Facebook picture, a quick video, right. a quick right. recording, things that they think people should uh, be using this for, right? Yeah. And that kind of stuff. As far as something that's kind of out of sight and not your yeah. cell phone and that kind of thing. But that, look. To me, this makes sense, right? And guess what? The starting price is $299, which there are sunglasses that are more expensive than that. Regular sunglasses yeah. that do nothing but block out the sun. Yeah, I know, like Oakley's. And I, I remember when all my friends got into Oakley's and I bought fake Oakley's. Yeah. And they bought $400 Oakley's and I had fake Oakley's that were like $12 I bought <laughs> in Canal Street. Two for 20 Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? I don't care. But I'm just saying that, uh, you know, I've seen so that, you know, Ray-Ban is owned by uh, Essilor Luxottica, which is the largest, world's largest manufacturer. If you ever see a company like, hey, I got some Jeep sunglasses, this company made them, 
right? They are the mm-hmm. conglomerate of conglomerates when it comes to sunglasses. They have corn in the market. They're uh, the only player. But this is, uh, like I said, the best execution of the quote-unquote smart glasses I've seen. But that light that you're talking about on the corner of the glasses, mm-hmm. I'm never going to look at that. Now, I'm listen, anytime I see somebody wearing Ray-Ban looking sunglasses, the first thing I'm looking for is this freaking light. I, well, but that that's what I'm saying. Now, it, the, it seems to be from the article, they've right. given you essentially what you're already carrying, which is good business, by the way, right? right. Everybody has Bluetooth headphones. Yeah. Everybody has a camera. Every, so they seem to given you all the things that you're carrying around anyway, which is typically a good business model. If I can combine things that everybody are using, right? Uh, and then you include the sunglasses into that part. Um, right. And then you uh, they've given you just enough of the new technology, basically, by giving you two cameras. They can, yeah. You can add certain effects to photos and videos and stuff like that. And I think that's where, to me, where Google did something that which is bad business. Right. We all know that cell phones have been around in the military and the whatever for a lot longer than consumers had them for like 30 years previous. And we as a society had to step into it. You had to step into pagers and then pagers to flip phones and then flip phones to, you know, you had to stair step the average consumer. I think that's where Google messed up was they tried to jump that stair step. To me, this feels like one of those logical steps. Give people that wear sunglasses, which everybody does, give them those sunglasses that are also a headset, which is probably where this will get used the most. right? Right. I get to wear sunglasses while I'm running that also is are my AirPods or whatever. Right. Yeah. And listen, um, of course, don't be concerned that Facebook and Amazon and Google are already listening to all of your conversations. <laughs> now they just want to see what you're seeing. I wouldn't be worried about that at all. No problem. Yeah. that They, they, they have see a everything. camera on your face that can literally capture everything you're doing all the time. Right. And that is Danny's conspiracy theory hat that that he just, you know, like puts on just like this right on the top. You know, his tinfoil hat. When, when we all look back on this podcast 10 years from now from the FEMA camps, Get I'm out of here. Tell you, Get, I told you so. I told you so. Look, I, you know, I, look I, I guess I'm in the category of when it comes to that kind of stuff, even this, like to me for $300, this seems like I, amazing. It's amazing a cool investment, right? Yes. Uh, well, I shouldn't say investment, just a cool purchase, right? Like if this right. were available to me today, you know, like this would be a pretty cool thing. Now, am I going out and buying them for my entire family and that? No, but to have no. them and be like, hey, this is kind of cool. It's a cool new toy whatever um you know i would be curious to see because what i don't like about products like this is typically because it's a combined product the product is not as good as the individual parts until down the road right because until very recently until like i would say the last three years buying a um a point and shoot camera you were going to get a lot more features out of your point-and-shoot camera than you were ever going to get out of a phone camera. Now they've integrated AI into a lot of phone cameras, and they're amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. I just want to point out my favorite part of the story, which is these are called the Ray-Ban Stories sunglasses. So Facebook basically knocked off the concept of stories, which they integrated into Instagram from Snapchat. Mm -hmm. And now they've taken the concept of making glasses with cameras in them from Snapchat. So I just want to uh, celebrate the good people at Facebook 
for dancing on the grave of an app, which basically they stole all the like for their in- said, intuitive ideas innovation. and innovation and yes. absolutely um yeah. it bothers me a little bit that this is actually being put out by facebook like it would be much more to me it would be a bigger thing if facebook left their name off of it even though it was a facebook ray-ban partnership right, right, if right. they left their name out of it completely and these are just ray-ban call them right. something technology glasses or you know what i mean right. like some technology some cool name that's I'm just, super cool, bro. No, I'm just saying Ray-Ban, the next generation or something yeah, like yeah. that. That is Star just... Trek. Yeah, the next yeah, generation. Yeah. Eat it, okay? Yeah, eat okay. it. You know what I'm saying? But I'm saying by, by, by attaching their name to it, you people mean, like me, because yeah. I'm not a big fan of Facebook and, and just in general, yeah. So uh, and I would never use these glasses even if I own them to post pictures and videos to Facebook. Right. So... It would be a smarter business move to me to not attach it to a company like that and just be a smart technology glass. Right. Sunglasses. And, that, and my belief is that the reason that Ray-Ban, Ray-Ban probably saw the thing that happened to smartwatches and said, none of you big players in smartwatches are, are watchmakers. It's not right. a watch company, right? It's all the technology companies. And I'm a watch collector, and I'll tell you, the watch companies aren't worried, right? Tag no, no, no. It, but they're not. But 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 the sunglasses, you know, when it comes to glasses, Ray-Ban was probably thinking, uh, we want to be in this business, right? Well, I think Ray-Ban was probably thinking, not only do we be in the business, but be, we want to give ray-ban another excuse to be ray-ban yes. right i think with yes. you i think like you said earlier there was a time and a place where ray-bans oakley's these big name sunglasses were all about it like there were yeah. people large groups of people that were all about those expensive very specific yes. looking glasses and i think that's kind of waned a lot in the and next I, generation right and i think that there's a lot of uh, companies that are going to be coming out now that are the kind of direct-to-consumer uh, play mm-hmm. that kind of crater, you know, and they're not going to steal from Ray-Ban, but what they're going to do is they're just going to create a situation where the average guy who went and bought Ray-Bans at some point in time in his life never gets to that point. But now they can introduce themselves to that client or to that consumer in with this smart, way. In this way. Correct. Yes, I, I think that's the play because I think they recognize as a as a brand, like you said, the next generation, right. the generation after that, are not going to go out and buy four and five hundred dollar Ray Bans or Correct. four and five hundred dollar Oakleys. Right. So, but they will if it's a smart sunglass, if it's yes. a speaker and a camera, yeah. and a, and it fits into their technology need. Yeah. That's the step for that generation, not. Hey, these Listen, are just the same glasses we've had for I, 20 years. I will buy a pair of these sunglasses as soon as they can get Tinder on them. Of course you will, because you'd yeah. be one of those weird, creepy people that watch weird no, things not, in weird I'm places. I'm not creepy. Hold on. Okay. Just, all right. I'm just saying. All right. You should not be able to watch that on the subway. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. All right. What have I ever been on that subway in my life? <laughs> I have. All right. I think that's all for us, Danny. Yeah. Uh, do you have uh, some kind of uh, closing knowledge for us today? Of course. I hear people talking a lot about giving back. And I just wanted you to know 
if you stop taking so much, you won't have to give back so frequently. Spoken like a true anarchist right there. I know. It's so true. We'll see you next time, folks. Bye.